Good morning, Third Street. Uh, my name is Rachel Hunka. I am Corey's wife, and I realized when I was writing uh, writing out this message that that is how I start every sermon, and then I tell you nothing else, like being Corey's wife is my credentials. Um, and so uh, I'll tell you like a couple other little things about me, so you so we can feel like we know each other beyond that, right? Um, I've lived in Canton my whole life. Uh, it's been home except for the four years that I went to college in Cleveland. Um, I love, somebody in our Bible 100 class this morning said they love canceled plans. Me too. Anytime I get to stay in sweatpants is a good time. Uh, and maybe last notable thing that I would like for you to know about me is that I was a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs before the Swifties. I just feel like I want you to know that before Super Bowl Sunday next week. I was a fan beforehand. No hate on the Swifties. I also love Taylor Swift. I just want you to know that I'm a fan of Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, and that um, because Corey's not here, he's home with our children and he always talks about the Cowboys, I would like you to know that my team is in the Super Bowl. So, <laughs> that is everything that we'll, that we'll kick off this morning with. Uh, right now, we are in the middle of a series called For Freedom's Sake, where we have been diving into what it means to be free as it is said in scripture, and that verse in Galatians that says we have been set free for freedom's sake. What does that mean? And the, the topic that I was tasked with today was discussing what do we do with our freedom? These last few weeks, we've dove quite deep into what scripture says freedom is, into what, what it looks like um, to care about the freedom of others, what uh, so many different facets of freedom. And so now we're kind of at this point where we're like, okay, well, what do we do with it? Once we're free, once Christ has set us free, what does that mean? What do we do with it? And I could think of no better person whose life to look at when responding to that question than Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene is an amazing woman that we encounter in scripture. And what she did with her freedom is possibly one of my favorite things. So what we're gonna do, if you have your Bible with us, we're gonna start out today in Luke chapter eight, starting in verse one. It's gonna be up here on the screens. If you don't uh, wanna mess with all the, uh, the notifications and things on your phone, you can read along with me up here. In Luke chapter eight, starting in verse one, it says, afterwards, he, the he is Jesus. Afterwards, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him. That's the 12 disciples. And then it says, the 12 were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called Magdalene, had seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. So this is the point in scripture where we meet Mary Magdalene. It's the first time that we hear her name. It's the first time that we learn of her in any one of the gospels. And what we know is that Luke took the time to say the, the disciples were with Jesus as well as some women, three of which were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. Now, this is a really big deal. 
A phrase that we hear a lot at Third Street used is the dangers of casual reading. The dangers of casual reading would send you straight to verse 4. But at Third Street, we know that we don't casually read, right? We got a whole class happening right now called Bible 100 to keep us from casually reading, right? We just left that class. It's my favorite thing on the planet to teach. So thank you to those of you who were there this morning. That was so fun to be with you. Now, let's not casually read this passage. What does it mean? that there were women there. And what does it mean that Mary Magdalene was called by name? What it means, first and foremost, is that Jesus was about the freedom of all people. Because when we look at the context of Scripture and when we look at what was happening at the time when this was happening and when this was recorded, women couldn't do anything but be in their homes and pray to God that they have a son. That was all we got to do. There's some outliers. There are some women who we get to learn about who did some different things, but they are few and far between. They are the exception, not the rule, because the rule was that men were the ones who got to hold jobs. Men were the head of household. Men got the inheritance. Men got to do so many things. And let me be super clear in what I'm saying. I am not putting you down, men, because what Jesus is doing in this passage is Jesus is modeling what it looks like to call up all people, to value all people, and to to live in harmony and in peace with one another. What Jesus is doing by allowing Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Susanna and the other women to be there amongst his disciples is he's saying, hey women, culture says that you don't get a rabbi. Culture says that you don't get to go to school. Culture says that you don't get to study scripture, but I say that you do. Jesus was shattering patriarchal systems in this moment. Jesus was saying, hey, women, you get to contribute too. You get to be here too. Jesus was doing something that no other rabbi in Jewish culture would dare do when he did this. And then Luke, oh my gosh, can I tell you what Luke did? Luke wrote it down. Luke is the only gospel that records this. There's four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're considered what we call synoptic gospels. And that means that they follow along pretty closely to the same path, but they veer just a little bit. John is a lot more theological in his approach. He had a different intention in recording his gospel. Luke is the only gospel that wrote down the women. So what Luke was doing with his freedom. If we're asking the question, what do you do with your freedom? Oh my gosh, look at Luke. Luke called them by name. Luke wrote them down. He included their presence. And Luke called them by name. Do you know how many nameless women there are in scripture. There's a lot, but we, we refer to them by their ailments and their actions, not their names. We do it so casually that we don't even realize that we do it, right? In 2 Samuel 6, there's a woman who does this crazy thing. It, I, we're not going to get into it right now, but she, what she does is she takes part in getting King David back on the throne when there's a revolt, and we don't know her name. 
In Proverbs 31, we love to talk about Proverbs 31, right? There's a whole sermon on that. We'll get to that at another time. Um, but in Proverbs 31, there's a woman. We just know her as King Lemuel's mother. She's the one who gave everything in Proverbs 31. We talk about the Proverbs 31 woman like she's real. She's not real. She's collectively all women. And she's King Lemuel's mother, whose name we don't know, but it's one of the most famous passages on women. There's the woman with the issue of blood that Jesus heals. We don't know her name. We call her the woman with the issue of blood. There's the woman who anoints Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, wherever my story is told, hers will be told. You know what we don't know? Her name. Her identity is recorded different ways in every gospel. Two don't name her, one call her Mary, and the other it says that it's uh, Mary who was Lazarus' sister. So we actually don't even know definitively who she is. There's so many women whose names we don't know, but Luke wrote it down. He wrote down when she met Jesus and he called her by name. Luke, with his freedom, spoke freedom over her. And that's the first thing I want us to take away today from the life of Mary Magdalene. With your freedom, speak freedom over others. When Mary had seven demons in her and Jesus found her on the western shore of Galilee, do you think that anybody was calling her by her name? No. She was seen and known as a cursed woman. She was a woman who was known by her demons. And Luke made her known by her name. What a man to write that down. Luke should get mad credit for that. So listen, what I want, what I want to know, in your living room, in your everyday life, if we're saying, with your freedom, speak freedom over others, what does that look like? In your freedom, who will you make feel welcome? Whose presence will you choose to acknowledge and whose name will you say out loud? I can tell you in my own life, in my own story, in my own journey with the church, I attended the same church from fourth grade all the way up until I was a whole adult. And there was, uh, this was in like the boom of the mega church, right? And, and I used to go to this Sunday evening service and, and I loved my church. Um, but I was starting to, like, feel a little bit out of place. You know, I'm not somebody who loves, like, big spaces and, and big rooms, which is wild that I'm talking to you into a microphone right now. That's Jesus Christ. Um, but I used to go to this service every Sunday night. I'd been at that church since I was in the fourth grade. I was about 19 years old. And I remember walking and sitting in the back in the corner by myself because, by the way, I liked that. It wasn't sad. I'm an introvert, and I like to learn. I wanted to sit by myself. Uh, but there was a volunteer that came and sat down next to me. And she said, hey, are you new here? And my intrusive thoughts were like, are you? Because I've been here since I was like seven. Uh, but I just looked at her, I was like, no. And then I didn't say anything else. But when I had been getting constant other messaging, it was not the fault of her. Let me be extremely clear. When I had been getting other messaging, in my life and in my experiences that were saying, you, didn't, you don't really matter. If you weren't here, nobody misses you. Something like that, I never went back, you guys. I never went back. But when I came back to the church, 
Let me tell you why. It's because I had met this guy named Corey Hunka, and I thought his last name was weird. And he invited me to go to Love Canton with him. It was a church called Love Canton, and I showed up that first day, and I went. Um, and I was like, and I had a red hoodie, and I had my hood up, and I had it tied. Um, the pastor likes to remind me that that's how we met. Uh, and, and I walked in. I talked to nobody but Corey, and then I sat down. Um, and when I came back the next week, that pastor looked at me, and he said, hey, Rachel, I'm really glad that you're back. And I, like, whipped my head around. Yeah, he called me by name. And I was like, I didn't even speak to you, but you remembered my name. And you guys, I showed up every week after that, and that's the only reason I'm here right now. There's so much power in calling people by their name. There's so much power in hearing your own name, in being welcomed into a space. It's why at the very beginning I told you, I always just call myself Corey's wife. I'm a little bit more than that. I don't know. Right? There's so much power in hearing your name. And Mary Magdalene's, when so many women's names were not recorded, Luke took the time to do it. Jesus took the time to call her. And there's so much value and power in that. So who in your life, whose presence do you need to acknowledge? Whose contribution do you need to see and say out loud in a world that mixes up inside thoughts and outside thoughts so badly? Let's be people that do better. We have this terrible habit of taking all of our inside thoughts and putting them on the internet. And then when we think good things that should become outside thoughts, we keep those in. Why do we do that? Let's use a little bit more of a filter, right? Let's not just go be keyboard warriors. Let's not just spew gossip to our friends in our text messages. Let's actually hold some stuff in and take it to prayer instead of taking it to the outside world. And when we think good things, let's say them out loud and let's write them down because you never know the way that those things are going to impact others with your freedom. Speak freedom over other people. It can do so, so much. But y'all, this is just where we met her. There's more. What we see next in scripture from Mary Magdalene is a deep, deep commitment with her life. Can we get that super full slide up here? (laughs) Here we go. Um, I couldn't, we couldn't just go through passages because we'd be jumping around so much. So where do we see Mary Magdalene with her freedom? After Jesus sets her free, where do we see her? We see her, it says in verse 3 in Luke, uh, it says, supporting Jesus from her possessions. And then in Matthew, Mark, and John, we see her watching at the cross. And then in a couple other Gospels, we see her watching at the burial. So she's there at the crucifixion, then she's there when he gets buried. Then in three of the other Gospels, we see her discovering Jesus at the tomb. So after he's been buried, she goes back. We see her discovering him. And then in Luke, we see her running to tell the apostles. We see her telling the rest of the disciples, yo, Jesus got up. And then in one of my absolute 
favorite passages in John chapter 20, we see Jesus reveal himself to Mary Magdalene after the resurrection. And again, he does it by saying her name. <clears throat> see, Mary Magdalene stayed. When we see her in Luke chapter 8, meeting Jesus and being set free, she didn't stay on the Sea of Galilee. She didn't stay on that western shore. She followed Jesus. She stayed committed. She stayed for his times of teaching. Immediately after, we see the introduction of Mary Magdalene, and it says that the women were there. Jesus starts teaching. She stayed through the sermons. She followed him. She supported him. She gave her time, her talent, and her treasure to everything that Jesus was doing. She walked from town to town. She went with them with her freedom. She gave everything that she had to Jesus. And can we get real specific in what that looked like real quick, right? We just went down through this list. That means that with her freedom, she stayed when it was so hard. Can you imagine the person who set you free, the person who cast seven demons out of you, and then you walk and give your whole life and everything that you have to follow what he's doing, and then you watch him get flogged. Scripture says that before Jesus ever went to the cross, he took a beating. Can I tell you what it, lo what it looked like to be flogged in Roman culture? The intention of flogging was to kill you. The intention of flogging was not that you made it out. I realize it's a weird word that we don't use in the U.S. We don't use the word flogging on a daily basis. What that means is that they took a whip that had pieces of lead and bone on the other, on the other end of it, and they just whipped his back till his skin peeled off. The intent was to kill him, but he lived because God had to send him to the cross. We can get into that another day. It goes back to Leviticus and all kinds of things. But just trust me, that flogging was meant to kill him, and she watched it. She watched the man that set her free be beat to the point of death. And then she walked with him all the way up to Golgotha to watch him be crucified. She watched nails be driven through his hands and through his feet. And it says that while he was on the cross, she was at his feet. So when we talk about, when we use this phrase, lay it at the feet of Jesus, we're talking about what Mary Magdalene did. She literally laid with her freedom at his feet and didn't leave. When other disciples did. All 12 disciples didn't make it to the foot of the cross. She did. She stayed. And then it says that she went to the burial. So not only did she watch him get beat within a brink of death, get hung on the cross and literally died and then have a, have a spear pierced through his side just to make sure he was good and dead. She watched him get buried. It says she was looking on. And then, let's remember, he was dead three days before he got up. So in all the time that he was dead, she never 
left. And when she showed up at the tomb and found him and saw the stone rolled away, she wasn't expecting to see a risen Savior. She had burial spices in her hand. She was there to take care of his body, to honor him according to Jewish tradition. And she was the only one that was still there, that found him alive. There are so many things that Mary could have done with her time. When Jesus went into the tomb, she could have packed up and went back to Galilee. No one would have blamed her. In fact, she probably would have gotten made fun of. Like, oh, Mary, you gave so much to follow that dude. Now he's dead. Right? She stayed. She stayed at the tomb. But because she stayed, because Mary chose to stick around, she witnessed the resurrection. She got called by name by the resurrected Christ before anyone else found her. Because Mary stayed, she saw freedom like nobody else did before anybody else did. So listen, what does that mean for us? It means with your freedom, don't go back to your demons. With your freedom, don't go back to your demons. She didn't get freed, and then when stuff got hard, she was like, oh, man, that sucks. I've had enough. You know what? Two of them demons, I didn't really mind. I thought it was, you know, I was kind of okay with, like, greed. Like, that doesn't really matter. Nobody really picks on greed. They pick on, like, murder, right? She didn't do that. She didn't go back to her demons. Don't go back to your demons. If Jesus has set you free, then stay free. Walk in your freedom. Stay disciplined when it's hard. When you don't want to get up a little bit earlier, do it anyways. When you don't want to show up for your volunteer slot, do it anyways. When you feel that prompting to give a little bit extra of whatever it is, do it anyways. Don't go back to your demons because the only way that you get to see the resurrected Christ and the fullness of your freedom is if you stay committed to it. If she'd have went home, she'd have never seen it. So let me ask you this. What demons have you gotten just a little bit too comfortable with? What ones have you become just a little okay with and thought, eh, this is good enough? I got seven. He took six. One is fine. If I could handle seven, I can handle one. Where have you settled for good enough? Because let me tell you, we do not serve the God of good enough. We do not follow the God of good enough. At creation in Genesis 1, God didn't create light and be like, eh, good enough. It says he looked on it and he said it was good. It says that when he created humanity in his image, he created us and he looked on us and said that we were good, not good enough. So stop settling for good enough. You do not serve and follow a God of good enough. You were not called into a life of good enough. Stop settling for good enough. I would argue that good enough is a demon all its own. Don't hang on to it. With your freedom, do not go back to your demons. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene did not let, her, let who she was 
hinder who she was becoming. Mary Magdalene did not stay where Jesus found her. She didn't let the woman who was filled with seven demons define the woman who was now free. She left everything and followed him. And so listen, with your freedom, Third Street, with your freedom, I want you to focus on what is ahead of you, not what is behind you. Focus on what is ahead of you, not what is behind you. So what does that look like? What does it look like for us to focus on everything that we have ahead? It looks like waking up in the morning and not reminding yourself of the way that you screwed up the day before. It looks like waking up in the morning and caring more deeply about who you are becoming. It looks like living fully repentant and saying, yeah, I did that. Acknowledge it, acknowledge who you were, and then go the other way. Repentance is not a full circle. Repentance is a 180. And it's a 180 deeply rooted in who Jesus is. To focus on what's ahead of you, not behind you, it means making who God is bigger than who you have been in the past. It means believing that what God has ahead of you is better than anything that is that you are leaving behind. It means walking away and keeping God the focus of what it is that you are doing. Let's make let's just make this super super plain. It means valuing the image of God in others more than valuing your right to say what you want or view what you want on the internet. It means giving our time, our talents, and our treasures to to further the kingdom of God. It means leading with kindness and valuing peace more than valuing your own pride. It means showing up for your kids and showing up for your community even when your workday was a little bit hard. It means making a donation to a nonprofit or an organization when you probably should be sending a bill because that's what your bottom line says. It means taking a very long look in the mirror and asking yourself, how might I be part of the problem? Instead of just letting your anger and your pride take over when you want to pop off on something. It means committing to morning prayer instead of sleeping that extra 30 minutes. And it means following Jesus into places that you maybe said you would never go, but you are finally willing to look ahead and not behind, to live from freedom, not from fear, and to follow him into whatever place it is that he is calling you. The life of Mary Magdalene was filled with so much freedom. When When Jesus found her on the shore of Galilee, the world would have called her unwanted, beyond the ability to be helped. It would have called her cursed. Jesus looked at her and said, you have value in this kingdom. There is something that you can do here. And when they called her everything else, he made her free. And she recognized what could happen in a life that is lived from a place of freedom, not from fear and false labels. And so Third Street, let us be a church that looks at the people around us and we name them free. 
we show them what it looks like to be free. We honor them with kindness. We speak freedom over them. And let us not be people that go back to our demons. Let us not be people willing to settle for good enough because with your freedom, what it means to be free is to live free and to set others free. To care about their freedom more than your comfort. To care about their future more than their past. To care about who God says they are more than who culture says that they are. We are not called to label or name anyone. We are called to be light in a dark world, to be salt, not salty. We are called to be free and to share that freedom with the world around us. Speak freedom. Don't go back to your demons and live committed to setting others free. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who values freedom more than false identities. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who created us in your image, which is a holy image. And Lord, I thank you that you gave us your scripture as a way to guide us. And so, Lord, I just pray. Lord, I pray that we would be people who stay curious, who maintain a desire to know who you are, who maintain hungry, hunger for your word, And Lord, I pray that you would place us in the presence of people who care deeply about seeing us grow, not seeing us stay in chains. And let us be those people to others. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And it's in the precious name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.